Newspapers began running the story, calling the intruder, quote unquote, Mr. Cruel, after police gave a statement to the son calling him super cruel. It seemed to simmer down because, again, nothing really happened after this. Until they gave a statement to the sun, which is a newspaper. Which is a newspaper. The they they walked outside and they looked up into the sky and they said, This man is super cruel. I thought you meant they pulled the six year old aside and was like, This guy was cruel. <laughs> which makes sense. Give him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the Bug and Rug Podcast. As always, my name is Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today we are bringing you another story that may or may not keep you up at night. Hopefully by the end of it, we will all still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug. But only time will tell. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've once again brought the mood back down. I've once again realized that we've been too happy for too long. I'm sorry. Raise your hand if you're surprised. Oh? No. Oh, no. no. Oh, nobody? I brought no the, takers? I've brought the mood down once again. But before we do that, last week's episode was about the Easter cryptids. And I did put a poll out there. I think I'm the only one that voted in it. So the chicken man did win that poll. <laughs> However, I didn't even know there was a poll. Why didn't you tell However, I couldn't figure out how to do it on Facebook, so I just did a Twitter one anyway. It doesn't matter. But on Instagram, I did ask for suggestions or who people thought was, you know, the best new uh, Easter cryptid. And we got, which we should do a story about, but we got a suggestion from the person who does Darwin's Deviations and Tracing Owls. Mm-hmm. I've talked about them before. They actually sent in the Bigfoot cryptid yeah. sing-along song last Currently time. Currently our biggest fan. They sent us a um, suggestion of the... Now, hold on. Let me look it up. It's an alien, and we had we didn't have it on there. It was like a completely new... An Easter alien. It was an egg alien. Was it's like it, in the shape of an egg. Was it Jesus? <laughs> was it Jesus? No. It was the P- Pendeli egg, P-E-N-D-E-L-L-I egg. It was like an alien that's literally in the shape of an egg with two eyeballs. <laughs> Sounds like a good Easter episode for next year. Uh, <laughs> Mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. Hopefully we will still be doing this. But uh, yeah, so I thought that was really funny. Um if we aren't doing consistent episodes, we will at least reconvene for the Pindeli Egg of Easter. For the Pindeli Egg of Easter. That rolls off the tongue pretty nicely, actually. Can we have shirts that say, the Pindeli New Egg of Easter? Easter Cryptid, featuring Pindeli Egg, <laughs> Chicken Man, and the lineup. <laughs> I did ask Jack to make lineup. us a, uh, a rough sketch for a sticker of the Chicken Man. Uh, he asked me about it, so he might be making it, or he forgot, I don't know. Only time will tell. tell. And you know what I'm going to say right now is that, um, yeah, I don't. don't, don't I'm just going to start because this one is pretty upsetting. Um, Good thing I've got my sweet tea and my water. You got your sweet tea and your water. Trigger warning, I guess, for um, sexual assault, kidnapping, uh, violence towards minors. 
think that's all. Is it 365 days? <laughs> no. no. I mean, it happens over the span of a few years, kind of. I shouldn't joke about it. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> I know. I feel bad because I feel like we always have fun episodes like the Easter Cryptid. And I was like, and now it's time for someone to get kidnapped. <laughs> and now it's time for good old-fashioned kidnapping. And now good old-fashioned kidnapping. Gotta swerve. Gotta zig and zag on you all. <laughs> anyway, okay, okay, okay. Here, I'm gonna start. And see. On August 22nd, 1987, a family went to bed like they always had in their home in Lower Plenty, a suburb of Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Is this gonna be about Plenty the Elder? No. No, no. Is this area named after Plenty the Elder? No, I don't think so. I think he lived in Europe. It's upsetting. Continue. <laughs> Unfortunately, their peace would be shattered near 4 a.m. when a man wearing a balaclava, balaclava and a tweed jacket over a blue waterproof zip-up jacket removed a pane from a living room window and entered the home. What's a balaclava? Now, a balaclava is basically a ski mask. I don't know if there's big diff. Oh, I think there might be a, you know, the ski masks that have the opening where the eyes are. Yeah. Like the one hole. I think that might be a balaclava, but it's a ski mask. He's essentially wearing a ski mask. But they had to be very specific. I mean, they should. They should. Yeah. But I also think, I mean, it could just be what they call it in Australia. I mean, we call toboggans the hats, but that's not what. It's a sled. Yeah. Yeah. A man wearing a balaclava entered and a home. tweed jacket over. With a, over a blue zip-up jacket. Yes. Entered the home. Through a window pane. Yeah. Okay. He was carrying a bag with a 20 centimeter long kitchen knife, at least four sets of handcuffs, red and white nylon cord, three rolls of red, green, and blue adhesive electrical tape, and a roll of elastroplast surgical tape, all in a gray material bag. He made his way to the bedroom where the two parents of the family were sleeping. The intruder woke them up and held them at gunpoint because he also brought a gun with him just in case. Was it in the bag though? <laughs> no, I think everything else was in the bag and then the gun was in his hand. Gotta bring a kitchen knife with you. It's just very in case. interesting in yeah. case you can't get access to the kitchen. Because the kitchen knife? gun jams. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So he woke the parents up at gunpoint and he demanded that they roll over onto their stomachs. As they did, he insisted that he was only there for valuables and nobody would get hurt if they just cooperated with him and told him where their money was, where their wallets were, where the expensive jewelry was, all of that shebang. The parents' hands and feet were then handcuffed and they were eventually blindfolded and gagged with the surgical tape that he brought. He then took them and locked them inside of a wardrobe. Did he, he would have to like pick him up or drag him, huh? That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was a kind of a biggish guy. So the man then entered the family's six-year-old son's room. Now, I read a couple different things and got slightly confused. There's a son and a daughter. I, the first time I read something, it sounded like they were in separate rooms, but they may have been in the same room. I'm not sure. He woke up the six-year-old son. He blindfolded and gagged him and then tied him to the bed. He then left the room and worked his way to wherever the 11-year-old daughter was. Now, again, I thought it was in a different room. I could have bad information on that, though. The man would sexually assault the girl over the next two hours, taking breaks to wander through the home. Before he left, he told the daughter to brush her teeth and take a bath. 
He then took her to her parents' bedroom, tied her feet, and then told her that she could untie herself and release everyone after counting to 100. Finally, he left the home unannounced with several items of clothing, $250 in cash, a fillet, fillet safety razor, a certain type of fancy bag, a gold diamond engagement ring, and a classic gold record set by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. So kind of some random stuff, but he did, in theory, rob them as well. I, listen, this is, <laughs> I I think it is interesting that they went through their house and was like, what's missing? Ah, our record set. Mm-hmm. Like, the razor's the one that I thought was weird. It was like a safety, a fillet safety razor. I was like, why does that, is it no, diamond encrusted? No, but that makes sense to me. It sounds like he was getting clothes and a razor and things that he could change mm, his appearance Maybe shave. With. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Well, the maybe right. he likes the Philharmonic Orchestra. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was one of those things. He's walking by. I was like, oh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> exactly. So, the police investigation turned up little information on who the culprit may be. Any forensic evidence had been removed from the daughter and wiped from any surfaces. So, remember, he told her to brush her teeth and gave her a bath. Yeah, so there were no threats against the family before or after the assault. The daughter told police that the man had made a phone call at one point demanding the person on the other line to move their children or they would be next. It was a little bit vague. But the police were like, oh, this could be a vital piece of information. Let's get the call logs. Let's see who, what number he was calling. And when they did that, it turned out to be a red herring because he, that phone call was never made. Hmm. So he, for whatever reason, faked a phone, faked call. a phone call in front of the little girl, you know, to throw her off or throw the police off. Yeah, he's probably trying to scare her. It's probably part of the do what I say or else. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So the neighborhood would worry for months as clothes belonging to other girls in the area started disappearing from clotheslines, but nothing else like this happened. Mm. So Melbourne was known at the time to be the most livable city in the world throughout the entire 1980s, Mm -hmm. but fear now gripped their hearts. Newspapers began running the story, calling the intruder, quote unquote, Mr. Cruel, after police gave a statement to the Sun calling him super cruel. It seemed to simmer down because, again, nothing really happened after this until... They gave a statement to the sun, which is a newspaper. Which is a newspaper. They they walked outside and they looked up into the sky and they said, this man is super cruel. I thought you meant they pulled the six-year-old aside and was like, this guy was cruel. (laughs) Which makes sense. Give him a little Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, The clothes that he took, were they all the little girls or do we know? It wasn't this specific girl. It was usually other... Originally. You said he took clothes when he left the house. Um, no. It was a mishmash of, I think, different sure. things. Because I think he took, like, a really nice jacket that the dad had hmm. as well. Okay. So. So. They gave a statement to the newspaper that said... They gave this statement to the newspaper called The Sun that said this guy was Mr. was super cruel. And so then everybody started nicknaming him... Mr. Cruel. So, hmm. yeah. So, that yeah, happens. Months go by. Mr. Cruel. <laughs> Mr. Cruel. Um, this may seem out of the blue, but it comes up later. A newspaper article from The Sun, not the burning flame in the sky, but not the, six-year-old. the newspaper thing, not the six year old either, it came out and it was titled Mother Battles Blanket Blaze. 
It featured a photo of Julie Wills and her four daughters on July 7th, 1988. The photo was taken in the girls' bedroom after a fire caused by a faulty electrical blanket nearly burnt down their house. But the mom had, like, run in and basically saved the girls. And, like, I don't really know what she did, but she got the fire out and the blanket was fine. That's wild because you have to somehow probably unplug it. Yeah. Because you're not going to put out an electrical fire from an electric blanket if it's still plugged in, I don't think. I don't think so either. Well, it depends on what happened, I guess. Yeah. But, so that comes out Mm -hmm. July 7th, 1988. Mm -hmm. On December 27th, 1988, an invasion occurs in Ringwood, another suburb of Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. So the same area, kind of, at Julie Wills' home. So the blanket lady. Yes. Sorry, Julie. Yes, Julie. The blanket lady. Yes. So the daughters had been long asleep when John Wills turned the last light off at close to 4.30 a.m. I think they had gone out for the night. He came back. They were kind of, the parents were kind of, you know, hanging out, partying a little bit, and then they went to bed. Hmm. Approximately 30 minutes later, Mr. Cruel, who they assume, wearing a balaclava with red stitching around the eyes and mouth holes, gained entry to the home via the back door. Once again, he went straight to the parents' bedroom, demanding they turn on their stomachs. As Julie Wills tried to yell to her daughters, Mr. Cruel pulled out a handgun and threatened the couple and their family. He basically said the same thing he said the first time. I'm just here to rob you, but I will shoot you if you keep yelling. So Mm -hmm. shut up. Let me tie you up. I'm going to steal from you, and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So... He bound the parents' feet and hands with copper electrical wire, then left the room to disable the phone. Cut the phone wires. Mr. Cruel then worked his way to Sharon, which is one of the daughters. There's four. There's four daughters. Mm-hmm. But he went specifically to Sharon with only a flashlight and called her by name and told her to get up and get out of bed. Hmm. They all share the same room. Oh. Remember. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's From, where the fire the, was. Because that's where the fire was. He took her along with a pair of girls' cream-colored underwear, cotton knee-length, a cotton knee-length nightie, several blue thongs, a red tartan skirt with pleats, and a Bonds white singlet out of the house. I think they were all, not necessarily her clothes, but the daughter's clothes. Mm-hmm. So after only eight minutes, Mr. Cruel carried Sharon outside before she started to scream. How old is she? Not sure. It's okay. I'm not sure. Young, elementary school age. Mm-hmm. I want to say like 10. It's around the same age as the other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I should have written it down, but I don't have it. Um, they didn't have a ton of information about the girls themselves because they were so young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so after only eight minutes, Mr. Cruel carried Sharon outside before she started to scream. He shoved a red ball into her mouth and told her that he wasn't going to hurt her. He explained that he would return her in the morning when he got his ransom. So he basically told her... I'm just here to take you. I'm going to call your dad Mm -hmm. in the morning and I'm going to ask him for money. And then once he gives me the money, I'm going to give you back. So stop screaming. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay. Sharon was then blindfolded and placed in a car. Now, according to Sharon, now remember she's young. Mm -hmm. They drove up to a driveway where she was then taken to a bed, had her blindfold replaced with iPads that were secured with adhesive tape. And after a few moments, he took her to a connected bathroom where she was forced to brush her teeth and take a shower. He then took her back to the bedroom to sexually assault her. Sharon was then given milk and a sandwich before she was leashed to the bed by a chain around her neck. 
Mr. Krul then left the room, returning briefly to let her use the bathroom and feed her once again. Hmm. Nearing what she could tell was the afternoon, Sharon was forced to shower once again, brush and floss her teeth, and clip her fingernails and toenails. Now remember, he took her that morning, so mm-hmm. this is the same day. Right. Like, later on that day. She was then dressed in some of the clothes that were taken from her family home before being placed in a garbage bag with holes in it. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Curl then drove her to an area, carried her a short distance, and then placed her in front of the Bayswater High School. He removed the garbage bag and blindfold while telling her how to get to a nearby Food Plus store. He basically gave her directions, said, don't turn around. I'm going to walk away. Did what he did to the other girl, said count to 100, and then walked to the Food Plus store to get help. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. Remember, he said he was going to give a ransom, but he also had cut the phone line. So even if he did call, nobody was going to get that phone call. So oh, no, that it was, was a, like a, a bold case line. Yeah, right, right, right. So just after midnight, she ran into a woman telling her, quote, My name's Sharon Wills, and I was taken from home early this morning. A man left me here and told me to go ring home. <laughs> the woman took her and immediately took her to a police station. <laughs> so so they, she was kidnapped again. <laughs> by a woman, right? <laughs> They assumed the abductor had to have been Mr. Cruel, although the idea of who Mr. Cruel was still, nobody knew. No. Nobody knew. They just were like, it's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same MO. Right. Details given by the family confirmed from previous statements mm-hmm. of the last family that he was a man in his 20s with a medium build. A lot of descriptions actually describe him as being like having a beer belly, being like a little bit chunky. And he stood between 5'6 and 5'9. Mm. John. You know what? He's got a short man complex. He's got a short man complex. I thought that too. That's what he's got. No, there's nothing wrong with men of that height. I want to say that right now. <laughs> right. My point is, he's mad about it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Some people can own it and some people can be mad about it. And he's mad about it. Go ahead. John Wills stated that he did not detect an accent, but the intruder seemed well-spoken. Sharon. What? what? Not an accent other than Australian? Well, yeah. Or. <laughs> no, I think he meant like, well, I'm assuming, because there may be different like dialects in Australia, just like there is in. He sounded like he was from here. The area. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming is what he meant. Right. Because to me, if he's Australian, he has <laughs> an Australian accent. accent. But to us. <laughs> Two Australians, we're the ones with the accent. <laughs> right, so. exactly. Okay. So Sharon gave the police several pieces of information, including a description of his car and part of the home that she was in. So the car had bucket seats, a low glove box, and a hump in the middle of the floor with a gear stick. The floor was carpet and was a cream color that matched the armrest and the front door. She would later state that Mr. Krull offhandedly mentioned the car had been stolen. He had tried to get it to start, and it wouldn't start right away. And he was like, oh, man, these shitty stolen cars. Am I right, 10-year-old girl? So please, please <laughs> didn't know I'm if... embarrassed that right. my car doesn't start, so I'll pretend it's stolen. Right. Like, way to throw her over your set, man. <laughs> well, police didn't know if that meant it really was stolen. So, the, like, the stuff that she was giving... Like, was important, but it wasn't his car. Or if that statement specifically was to... He was embarrassed that his car right. didn't start. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. So so Sharon, remind you, as a little tiny girl, all this traumatizing thing is happening to her. At one point, when Mr. Curl leaves the room, she actually took her blindfold off. a girl. I know, right? And she said it basically seemed like pretty 
pretty bland. It was plain except for a wooden tripod and a camera at the end of the bed that was set up for filming. So this gave the police Gross. a strong inclination that Mr. Krull was and had been actively maybe swapping child pornography and searching for child pornography and, you know, all that nasty mm-hmm. stuff. Other than that, she basically was like, there was a bed, there was a camera, there was a dresser. So it was gray. It's also a man in his 20s. Right. So there's nothing there. There's nothing wrong with being a man in your 20s. Right. Other than you don't buy furniture. <laughs> yeah. She did, however, say... That she heard airplanes frequently flying overhead. Mm. So they assumed that this meant the house was close to an airport of some sort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, this information did not lead them any closer to making an arrest. They couldn't really find the home. Obviously, she doesn't know. She's blindfolded the whole time. So she doesn't know how long the car trip took, where they went, things like that. No, no child is trained to count and then okay at six seconds we took a right yeah like nobody's gonna right right exactly you're 10 ish i mean yeah smart enough to take her blindfold off right unfortunately for her but she saw but yeah unfortunate for her but also what a badass am i right out of girl so neighbors came forward later describing a prowler in the area they said and this drives me Insane. They saw someone videoing the Will's home six weeks prior to the kidnapping. And this person was in a gold Ford. And basically, like, they were filming the house and someone was like, hey, what are you doing? And they got in the car and, like, drove off. But, like, nobody said anything. <laughs> yeah, why weren't you like, hey, there's a guy outside filming your house. Right. Like, what, so what this, are we doing? So this led nowhere. Nothing really came up, Pull, unfortunately. him off. But you didn't do anything. But you didn't do anything. I think if somebody was videotaping our neighbors, I'd go tackle them. Unless it was somebody that... I think, like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Let me see. Let's walk up to this door and knock on it and see if they know what you're doing out here. <laughs> Let or, me just take your license plate number. I'm going to write down your license plate license number. License and registration, I'm take please. your picture. How do you like being filmed, huh? How do you like it, oh, buddy? Fuck. A bucko? <laughs> How do you like it, bucko? What is that, a baklava on your head? That's not what it's called, but I can't. Holy <laughs> I did this say baklava is... too, but that's a cake, is it not? Baklava's like a little, some kind of dessert. <laughs> My point is, it's a ski mask. Yes. Yeah. All right. Baliklava and baklava are the same word, and you can't tell me about Listen, I know. I wrote this. I know. So then, so nothing came of it. Nobody was ever arrested. Nobody was ever brought into custody. That was it. Two years later, on July 3rd, 1990, the Linus, L-Y-N-A-S-S, so it could be Linus, Linus, the Linus family was spending their last evening in their rental home in Canterbury, an eastern suburb of Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. So kind of, again, in the same area. Mm-hmm. At approximately 7.50 p.m., Brian and Rosemary Linus left the home with friends to attend a function. 13-year-old Nicola Linus and her 15-year-old sister Fiona stayed at home and ordered a pizza. The pair ate their pizza around 10.05 p.m. and then went to sleep. What time did you eat your pizza? 10.05. 10.05. I thought it was weird to be getting a pizza delivered that late and then I was like, nah, I've definitely done that. I've definitely gotten pizza later than 10.05. <laughs> 
Close to 11.20 p.m., a man wearing gloves and a dark green balaclava with cream stitching around the eyes and mouth forced open a window of the parents' bedroom. He made his way to where the sisters were sleeping. He woke Nicola first, showing her that he had a knife and a gun. He demanded money. The pair took him to their father's wallet. And instead of taking the nearly $4,000 of money that was in the wallet, he told the girls to lay down on the parents' bed. He hogtied Fiona with galvanized wire and took Nicola out of the room. He told the girls that he was going to kidnap Nicola for ransom of $25,000 and that he would call the following morning to claim it. But then he went and cut the phone lines. So, like, that doesn't... The, the ransom thing, listen, let's put two and two together, people. If they're asking for a ransom, but they've cut the phone lines, what he's are we not, doing? He's not calling in the morning. He's not going to call in the morning. He's not going to call. He's not going to call. He's not going to call. call. Jenny, he's not going to call. <laughs> okay? I don't know how many times I have to tell you. Move on. <laughs> so who we now assume is Mr. Cruel forced Nicola to dress in her PLC school blazer and put several items of clothing of clothing into her Kendon beach bag. These items included a pink and white striped dress, a PLC summer uniform, a pair of PLC tracksuit pants, several pairs of underwear, four pairs of white cotton socks, a green and white striped t-shirt, a Melbourne football club beanie, a pleated white tennis skirt, a PLC school jumper, and a pair of blue and green knee-high stockings. I don't know why she was forced to take all that clo- those clothes. Before leaving, Mr. Krull stopped in the kitchen to go through Rosemary's purse. He took her driver's license, Medicare card, and a credit card. He may have also taken that $4,000 in the end, but I'm not sure. He should have. At 11.47 p.m., Mr. Krull put Nicola in the front seat of the Linus's family car. He told her to crouch below the dash and to cover her eyes with her beanie. The car moved west along Mount Albert Road for a moment, but then Mr. Krull stopped to tape Nicola's eyes closed. He basically was like, you're peeking. I know you are. You're peeking. You're peeking. The pair drove for a few more minutes before they parked and got into a separate vehicle. So he mm. drove to a specific point and got in a different We're car. Evolving. They then drove to a, They then drove for an undetermined amount of time before arriving at a house. Just like Sharon, Nicola's eyes were then covered with iPads, and she was forced to brush her teeth and take a bath. I know that you mean like little pads for your eyes, yeah. but it does sound like you mean like an Apple iPad and she's got Apple. one on each eye. Yeah. He... What an MO, huh? <laughs> That'd be weird. Weirder than what's already happening? <laughs> uh, she was then leashed to a bed. There's no laughing about this. She was then leashed to a bed with a chain around her neck, just like Sharon was. Mr. Cruel then fell asleep next to her in the bed, presumably. And during this time, she would later tell police that she heard several airplanes, just like Sharon had, fly Mm -hmm. over the house. So once again, they're like, this has to be close to an airport. And they had a specific airport in mind that was near the area, but I'm not sure what the name was. Mm -hmm. The following morning, Mr. Krull told Nicola that they were going to disgustingly, quote unquote, role play several fantasies of his, but that she would be home by Friday morning at the latest. Hmm. Throughout the next hours, he sexually assaulted her while calling her Nikki, a nickname only her friends and family called her. Close friends and family, I guess. At about 2 p.m., he gave her water and bread and then left. He returned around 5 p.m., they're guessing. What is she, a bird? What? You have a little bit of water <laughs> and you have a few breadcrumbs. <laughs> That's it. That's it. 
I mean, once again, he's a man in his 20s. He probably doesn't dug his fridge with much else. The last girl got a sandwich. Or devolving. Oh, I mean, it could have just been like peanut butter on bread. Okay. okay well, At least saying. it's protein. I guess. You're right. So around 5 p.m., he told her, quote, I'll drop you off at a place and change of clothes, and you'll have to wait 10 minutes, and then you can walk to the police station. I'll give you directions to the police station. And she was like, okay. Nicola was then made to shower and brush her teeth once again, and as she did, he told her, quote, you'll be taken to a hospital, and they will test you. You will be examined by a police surgeon. They'll be looking for evidence to link me to you, and they won't find anything. Obviously, that's why he's making them Shower. shower. Which, smart predator. Yeah. He then wrapped her in a sheet, put her in the passenger side of a car, and dropped her off near an, near a CEC substation in tennis, on Tennyson Street in Kew. I don't know where any of these places are. He told her to change clothes before he made her walk further away. He then took her iPads off, told her to count to 50 before turning around, and then he left. After oh. 50 hours, Nicola was reunited with her family at around 2 a.m., Unfortunately, investigators were at a loss once again. She confirmed that Mr. Krull was approximately 5'7", like they had thought, and that he lived near an airport. She also stated that he weirdly acted like he was talking to somebody else, like in the first attack, Mm -hmm. but that there was no one there. And this, again, just confused them, but it did confirm that it probably was the same person. So she said at one point he had walked towards the hallway and was like, talking like he was talking to someone down the hallway but like nobody responded so she was like there was nobody there this guy have schizophrenia i don't know if it's that or if he's trying to be like there's there's more than one person involved yeah you know what i mean yeah kind of thing oh you're not the cat i think or if he's just putting on a show yeah who knows who knows or he has schizophrenia and he thinks he's actually talking to other people maybe Maybe. Hmm. So pretty much nothing. Nothing. Else. Nothing came of this, unfortunately. He has a lot of baklavas. Balaclavas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> balaclavas. Whatever it is. Cooper, hang on. A lot of balaclavas. A lot of balaclavas. Well, he puts stitching around the eyes and stuff too. He's trying to make it his own. I wonder if he. Well, this one was green. Yeah. yeah. Or someone here's colorblind. And everybody keeps saying it's different colors. Mm-hmm. A lot of Maybe. people in Australia have different kinds of color blindness because the last one was black and red, so green and tan, you know. Maybe. Maybe you're right. <laughs> All right, so we got one more or, story. Or he's got a collection besides just his child pornography. <laughs> oh, gross. Can you imagine? I'm a collector of what? Child porn and baklavas. Bali clavas! <laughs> It's not you're scared. You scared Ellie. I think baklava's cake is a not. It's not cake. It's like a. It's like a not a crustacean. A pastry. A pastry dessert. Why did I think crustacean? I was thinking croissant. They blew it out of the sea. Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway, one more story. Now. Hey, I know it's Baliklava, but I don't remember <laughs> that word, so I think this is better. Continue. That's fine. He wore baklavas on his face. <laughs> he wore a beautifully stitched baklava on his face and tried to act like his car was stolen so you wouldn't be embarrassed that oh, it wouldn't start. He did the same thing. I forgot to add this in. He did the same thing to Nicola when he went to drop her off. Same thing happened with the car. It wouldn't start. And he said something along the lines of like, oh, haha, you know, these little stolen cars, they don't work very well. And she was same like, car. what? <laughs> yeah. 
Same car. Same She's shitty like, are you car. You an idiot? You think if you think that you'd fix that? You know? Yeah. He's you had think. enough time. You'd think he's he's awfully busy doing things that he shouldn't be and not fixing his car. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So this, the next story is the last one, but it's a little bit different. Um, so much so that some people don't know if it was Mr. Cruel or not. Mm. But we'll get into that kind of at the end. So I'll tell you about it first. Less than a year later, Carmen Chan was left at home to babysit her two younger sisters on April 13th, 1991, while their father left for work. They owned their own restaurant, so the two parents went to go work like the evening shift sure. and the kids were at home. Unbeknownst to the family, a man wearing a gray-green tracksuit and a brown baklava spray-painted... Mm, you're doing it, too. <laughs> no! Balaclava, you son of a bitch! <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> How dare you! Got him! <laughs> this guy, wearing a ski mask, <laughs> spray-painted the family car with the words, quote, payback, Asian drug dealer, and more and more to come. Like, all over the car. That's really sir. The same man, nobody really saw this happening. Because then after this, he forced his way through a lounge room window at around 8.40 p.m. Mm -hmm. The sisters were immediately threatened with a knife. When he realized the girls were alone, he bound and gagged the younger siblings and placed them in a cupboard. He then forced Carmen outside. Carmen was presumably placed in a car and driven away. And they don't really know where sniffer dogs that they brought in later couldn't pick up her scent. Like, they sniffed around the house mm -hmm. and went to the street, like, where a car would have been parked. Mm -hmm. And then it was gone. So yeah. they're assuming she got in a car and drove off. End of story. Nobody knows where Carmen. Carmen Chan never came back. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I didn't prepare you for that. No. Carmen Chan never came back. Mr. Cruel once again had families fearing for their safety. Extensive searches went underway, naming him as the most wanted criminal in Australia for another year. Unfortunately, this time Carmen didn't come back. On April 9th of 1992, so a year later, give or take, actually almost a year later, a human skull was found in a landfill area near Edgar's Creek. Dental records confirmed it was Carmen. That's not a window ledge. <laughs> She had been shot at least three times in the back of the head with a 22 caliber weapon and had been in that location for nearly a year, from what they could tell. Mm. Previously, a man had come forward to police stating that he heard a gunshot around 11 p.m. on the day Carmen was taken while he was walking along Edgar's Creek, so the same area that the landfill was in. Mm -hmm. He saw a man wearing overalls and a spray jacket, but it was... The laundry's done. But it was dark out and, like, he was kind of far away and the guy got in a car after that and left. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much the only piece of evidence they had and then they couldn't find anything after that. Some connect Carmen Chan's death to Mr. Cruel, but others do not agree, like I said before. The perpetrator in this case did bind and gag family members. He took the two yeah. sisters, locked them in a cupboard, but he did not bind or blindfold Carmen like he did with the other girls. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But they also aren't sure because Carmen never came. Right, back. right. We don't know. Furthermore, he did not take any of Carmen's clothing, but it did not seem as though the house was in the shape he thought it would be because when he first went in, he asked the girls, where are your parents? 
And they said, oh, they're not here. And then when he realized they were by themselves, he bound and gagged the sisters and put them in the cupboard. Mm -hmm. So some people think that he was expecting the parents to be home. And Mm -hmm. so he had a different plan in his mind. And when he didn't realize they were gone, he was like, we just got to get out of here. I think that the only way that this is him is if he got mad that his plan, what he had in his fantasy was not happening the way he wanted it to. And so he's like, this. Yes, exactly. So the only other thing that people fight about is the spray painting on the car Mm -hmm. because they're like, well, why would Mr. Curls never spray painted anything before? Mm -hmm. And the people were like, yes, but he has pretended to talk to people before that weren't there or make phone calls that weren't there. So is this just another red herring? He knows they're of some sort of Asian descent. They own a restaurant. You know what I mean? So he spray painted that on there. A little strange. Or is it even the same person that broke into the house? Right. Right. They don't know. So those who believe Carmen's death was at the hands of Mr. Kroll say the exact same thing you just said. Some people think that maybe she somehow, he did blindfold her and she took her blindfold off Mm -hmm. and he didn't have his ski mask on Mm -hmm. and she saw who he actually was and Mm -hmm. he got mad and so he shot and killed her. Yeah. Right? Mm Because the other girls stayed blindfolded the whole time. That he knew of. That he knew of. At least when he had, you know, when he Mm -hmm. didn't have his ski mask on. Mm -hmm. So some people think that that is why she was killed. Well, I mean, even from the beginning, he got there and the parents weren't home. Mm -hmm. This is very not calculated for him. Yeah. For the parents to not be home, that doesn't make, that's very unlike what Mr. Cool's thing was. He watched these people for months, for Mm -hmm. months before he attacked. Yeah. And he knew when the parents were going to be home. But if he thought they, if it is him and he thought they were going to be home and they weren't home, he was immediately mad and flustered. Yeah. And so you're his whole fantasy's ruined. So why continue with it the way that you planned for it? Because you, he worked his way up to a pro. I think maybe he did plan for it, but since they owned the restaurant, maybe that night they were supposed to be home mm-hmm. and they got called in for whatever reason. Right, but you I'm, know what I mean? But I'm saying if he, if it's, it's either not him because this doesn't fit his M.O., really, or it is him and he got flustered that they weren't home and so he devolved right there yeah. being like, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, unfortunately, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Nobody found Mr. Cruel. Nobody's found um, the killer of Carmen Chan, whether it be Mr. Cruel or not. That, that was basically the end of it. Some people believe that her dad was actually involved in, like, basically drug gangs mm-hmm. but most of the people who know the family were like that's not true that's why they think it's a red herring when yeah it was brave. they're like that's not true he was a good dude mm-hmm. so operation spectrum was a task force set up in may of 1991 to help catch mr cruel over twenty-seven thousand suspects were interviewed and thirty thousand homes were searched Flyers were posted everywhere, presenting a reward of $300,000 for any information. Up to 12 earlier crimes were actually taken into consideration as to whether they could have been connected or could have been done by Mr. Cruel, but there really wasn't enough evidence to connect them besides assuming the M.O. was similar kind Mm -hmm. of thing, like breaking and entering and things like that. Yeah, beanie. Right, but there's no DNA evidence or anything like that, so nobody's short. Unfortunately, no suspects were ever taken into custody for any of these crimes committed by the so-called Mr. Cruel. There are seven suspects known as the Sierra Falls, 
that the Herald Sun newspaper published on April 9th, 2016, after gaining inside information from the police department. They are not named. I was like, oh. They are not named. (laughs) There is only one to be publicly identified. And I think he may have been, he may have identified himself. I'm not sure. And you talk about me. (laughs) He was a former university lecturer in an and actually a convicted sex offender. His name was Dr. Brian Allen Elkner. He was at one point interviewed for 12 hours by police due to the similar MO and evidence found in his home. However, he was never charged. I believe there's one guy, and I think it was him, when police searched his home, they found a kitchen knife and a balaclava stuffed in a ceiling tile. However, there's no DNA on anything. So... They can't prove, and he claimed it was, like, his brother-in-law's or something like that. Hmm. That's been there for 50 years. Now, he did go to jail for other crimes that were similar, but... Child pornography. You're you're probably Well, yeah, he was a sex offender. Um, Yeah, but nothing connected him concretely to the crimes of Mr. Hmm. Cruel. So all the the other six people are known suspects, but again, nobody was ever taken into... um, custody the media hold on one second i only have one more thing the media pointed towards several people that could have been mr cruel now whether these people are the same people that are in the sierra falls file or not Mm -hmm. we don't know because again they weren't named right but some of those people were maurice maury marion robert keith knight just a guy named john apparently heck yeah Ron Idols, Jamie Warnick Hall, Ashley Mervyn Calston, Richard Starrett, and Stephen Greenwood were all named by the media, but not police. But remember, the police named seven people, just didn't release the names. So these could mm-hmm. be overlapping. We, we don't, don't know. know. Mm-hmm. Most of these individuals had been charged with separate crimes. That's why a lot of them were thought to be connected, maybe. That's why they could even say their names. Right. But... There was no, again, no concrete evidence that the four um, crimes that I talked about were connected to any of these people. Does that make sense? They need to take, you would have to take a dog to the house and sniff for the girls. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd have to have a warrant to go in their home, which they were. They were in that guy's home and they found a camera. Or you'd have to take Sharon, who peeked, yeah. and be like, does this look similar? Yeah, but was it their home or was it a motel? You know what I mean? Yeah. Was sure. it a rental home? Was it, you know what I mean? If there's, Because if there's nothing in there, it either means he they didn't have anything or it was because they were renting. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was just a bed and a dresser and yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the people that I just named were all arrested for one reason or another. Some of it, I think, was breaking and entering. Some of it was sexual assault, things like that. But again, nothing, nobody was, in the end, nobody was ever charged for any of the crimes. And Mr. Cruel's identity was never found out. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, he could still be out there because he was in his 20s. It's interesting allegedly. that... Allegedly. It's interesting that... No other crimes have been reported since then. Mm-hmm. Since the last one that you met, mm-hmm. Carmen. Yeah, Carmen. Chan. Um, I it, it almost that's almost another thing on this tipping. That's that's almost another thing that tips the scale in favor of maybe it was him, and he's like, oh my god, I had to kill somebody. Yeah, 
And I, then he stopped. Yeah, you know and then he stopped. Or I think it could be, yeah, because it probably started out as breaking and entering and child pornography, and then it grew into whatever, and then it grew into whatever, kidnapping, blah, blah, blah. And then when he killed somebody, he was like, this is what I... Or he went to jail for something else. Or he went to jail for something. I was just going to say, I wonder what that Elkner guy went to, what year he went to jail. Because when I, I watched a YouTube video, and he's on it. Mm Mm-hmm briefly like a news thing of him and when he was on it he was kind of older so i don't know when it came out but i also don't know maybe he went to jail and then when if he's out he's old now mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't know yeah but i just yeah because it 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 almost seems like something stopped that cycle because it's almost every year yeah um but it something had to have stopped that cycle you don't just stop doing that yeah yeah you don't, that's just not a crime you stop when you're a serial offender. Yeah. You're not just like, no, oh, I think that was good. I yeah. think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm done. I think, I think that was it. I think it went well. Yeah. Like, no, you either killed somebody or I'm stopped because you're scared or you went to jail I think, for something else. I think it's interesting that it only happens once a year or two. It reminds me of, isn't there a Criminal Minds episode where a guy steals a kid like every Halloween or something weird like that? That's, um... The movie Halloween. No, I no. Don't. <laughs> that is not the movie Halloween. Uh, there's, but he does it for like a specific reason. There's a but. plot line in there where they make one of the he makes one of the detectives come every year on his on the detective's birthday to the jail, and he gives them the location of one body of interesting so, of a kid that he had killed. Had killed. Yeah. Anyway, who knows? But. But you could be right, Ed. That's do you think this story is going to keep you up at night, or do you still think you'll be able to see this movie? Well, I mean, I'm pretty upset about it. Me I too, think, honestly. I think that... Oh, pause. Let me show you the pictures, and oh, then I'll ask this. you. Don't do this thing. There are pictures, there are sketches, which I don't really understand why, because all the sketches are of him in a ski mask, so it's just a guy in a ski mask. But which, they're pretty upsetting, to, I'm not going to lie. To the credit of um, okay. Ceiling Tile Boy... Uh, this is oh. the most famous one. You got? Are you kidding? Oh, that's it. This is another one in the tweed jacket. Okay. Not great. I'll show these pictures. I'm glad I, they blacked out his eyes. Like, <laughs> great. Well, it's not. It's not. It's a sketch. They don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. But you don't. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, to the credit of El- Elkner. To his credit, I said ceiling tile guy. Uh, that's better. He doesn't deserve his name. Um, to his credit, if you're going to crime, Baklava seems like the way to go. Huh? I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a ski mask. That's what I'm right? saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yes. It's like, he had a knife and a ski mask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it the similar color to the ones that have been described? No, then maybe. But like. Yeah, but they're all different. You know what I mean? So like, It's like knows? Target brands. 1990 yeah, fall knows. collection. <laughs> that's like, like a bad. It's a. That's that can't be it. It's his bali clavas were silk. <laughs> These are. That guy's caution. sitting at home going, that doesn't even look like my bali clava. Yeah. So who knows? He's never been found, which I think is quite terrifying. The reason I found this story was actually um, on TikTok. This girl was like, out of all the stories, the true crime stories that I read, this one keeps me up at night mm-hmm. just because of the pictures, like the the sketches. Because she was like, if you see somebody like that sketch mm-hmm. break into your house, that's terrifying. 
And I was like, yeah, that's true. But it's what burglars wear. It's the burglar outfit. Maybe. I think it's, I think that it is a risk because, yes, they don't see your face, but also one wrong swish swish and the ski mask is on wrong and you can't see out the eye holes. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're taking the risk of not being able to see where you're going. Yeah. At any given time. Yeah. When your mouth has like condensation that forms around it and then it feels really gross. Yeah. That's what I remember. It's about a sensory thing us. too. I, so. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. They have to not have our weird sensory issues, I suppose. Yeah. So. Which probably a lot of people don't. <laughs> Here we are. I mean, I'll still wear a scheme. I mean, we've only ever worn them to sled in. I'm not a bank robber. <laughs> I've never robbed a bank in my life. <laughs> Especially not wearing a bollock lava. <laughs> exactly. Why would you think that? Why would you think that? I don't know what's happening. Let's move on. (laughs) Quick. So the pictures that I will post will be on our Instagram and Twitter. They are both at BIAR Podcast. You can check out our Facebook, Bug and a Rug. You can check out my resources, um, bugandarug.podbean.com. And that has all of our stuff connected to it and all of our history. You can um, email us, BIAR Podcast. Nope. Yep. BIAR Podcast at gmail.com. I was just saying, it sounds right. Yeah. It's been a while, but it sounds right. We've been getting things in the email that are definitely spam, but they're specifically to you. And oh. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> Why am I getting spam to the podcast email? <laughs> it says, Whitney, have you heard of these editors? And I'm like, well, this isn't Whitney, so I'm deleting it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you delete my email? That's not a federal crime unless it's an envelope. Yeah. Huh? It's got to be in the mail. It has to go through the United States Postal System. If, it, if it's not through the United States... Write it's in an answer. If it's through God. the UPS or the FedEx, is it still a federal crime? Because it's not technically through the United States Postal System. Also, if your email is .gov, would that be considered a federal crime? That's a federal crime. Or EDU, because the education's run by the government. I don't know. <laughs> No, really. No, wait. This is important. Hey, this is important. I'm listening. Is it a federal crime if I open your FedEx package, even though it's not the United States Postal System? I think so. Why? You're thefting my privacy. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's a good spot to end. Yeah, thank you. All right. Okay, thanks for listening. Hopefully everybody can still sleep as night as a bug and a rug. Signing off, I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye-bye. Sleep tight.